Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of Sports and Spouses. This weekly podcast hosted by me, Billy. Me, Melanie. Discusses the biggest stories in sports through the lens of the average American sports-loving married couple. This perspective introduces a fun and interesting dynamic because as we all know, some wives don't understand the stories that go on in sports. Or if you're like me, you just know enough to be dangerous. (laughs) Yep, so thanks for joining us. And subscribe to Sports and Spouses on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please, please, please tell your friends about us. All right, so since this is our first episode, I thought I'd explain our format uh, so you guys understand what we do around here. Um, so we will talk about the top headlines in sports for the week, uh, in detail, and then we'll do a weekly pick them where we, uh, pick the top games of the week and I pick my picks, Melanie picks her picks. And then the following week, um, we'll just talk about how we did, whether we got them right, whether we got them wrong, we got them way wrong like we normally do. And then we'll do a two minute drill where we set a timer for two minutes then we cover as many uh, little topics, little news stories as we can in that amount of time. And then to finish the show off, we'll do our walk-off thoughts where I talk about uh, just a thought that I have in the sports world, something that's kind of bugging me or something, and then Melanie will give her walk-off thought. And that'll end the show. So... Shouldn't be too long of a show, so bear with us on this first episode, and hopefully it'll be good. <laughs> so, this week, we're going to cover the week of Sunday, February 24th through Saturday, March 2nd, and this week's top headlines are Bryce Harper is a Philly, Jason Witten goes back to the Cowboys, and Antonio Brown is full of drama. So, let's get to it. Uh, Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. Uh, 13 years, $330 million, comes to $25.384 million per year. What do you think about that, Melanie? That's a lot of money. It is. And a lot of years. It's a lot of years. Um, There is no opt-out on his contract, which I find insane. There's also a no-trade clause, which is good for him but the no opt-out is bad for him because that means he's stuck in philadelphia but if there's a no trade so no nobody can request a trade or like he can he he can't request a trade or nobody can if it means that the phillies can't trade him without his consent and he also can't request to be traded he can demand a trade but if they don't want to trade him then that doesn't mean anything oh okay so, so is it good or bad? I mean, the no trade clause is good for him because he has to agree if they want to trade him. Okay. But the no opt-out is bad for everybody because as long as they're happy with him, he's stuck in Philadelphia. He seems to like being on the East Coast, though. He does seem to like being on the East Coast. Where's he from, do you know? He's from Vegas. Which I find interesting because he had an offer from the Dodgers, which L.A. is just a few hours from Vegas, 
And the Dodgers offered him four years, $45 million a year. Like, I had to look that up. I thought it was $45 million total at first, but it's $45 million per year, which would set a record for the highest annual for how salary. Many years? Four years. Wow. Which would have, he's 26 years old, which would have put him back in the free agency at 30 years old, which would be his, like, prime, because everybody thinks he's in his prime right now, but he's only 26. That's amazing. And that would have been $100 million, $180 million total, which. You know, is only about half of, or a little less than half of, or a little more than half, rather, of what he's getting from the Phillies. But it's only a four-year deal. And I think, judging from what the Dodgers did the last two years, they were in the World Series. How much better can you get besides winning the World Series? But that, you said the Phillies have got a lot going on, right? Oh, yeah. The it's Phillies, promising. with adding him, they're stacked now. But the Dodgers were already stacked, you know, minus Machado, who... Nobody, I wouldn't want him. But, so aside from that Dodgers offer, um, the Giants offered him a 12-year, $310 million deal, um, which would have come to 25.833 a year, which is actually more per year than he would have gotten, than he is getting from the Phillies. But with that extra year, he's getting 20 more million dollars. And the Nationals offered him 10 years, $300 million, which is $30 million a year, which is way more than he's getting per year from the Phillies, but he's getting three more years. But he's going to play until he's 39. So my question to you is, which contract would you have taken? Which team would you? I definitely wouldn't have done one of the longer ones. Um I'm too pessimistic for that because I would be afraid I get hurt or I, you know, the dynamics of the team is changes over that span of time. I, I mean, but again, he's kind of turned into an East Coaster. I mean, you know, East Coast has a really good fan base. I'm sure there's things that we don't know about his contract that influence his decision. But if it was me, I would have taken something more short term, like the Dodgers four year, $45 million a year. Um, I mean, I guess it just depends on what you, like you said, the Phillies are going to be really good. So he could just have World Series goals in mind, too. Mm -hmm. That could be the team he sees. I mean, because the Phillies are usually always good. They're never terrible. They always always have some sort of shot at the postseason. Solid, at least. You know, whereas some teams, it's like they get... (laughs) Halfway through and everyone says they're done. That's never the Phillies. Um, I don't know. Who who do you think you would have done? I probably would have taken the Dodgers offer. Even, you know, I'm not a fan of the Dodgers, but my unbiased opinion. Um, just the four years, 45 a year. I mean, that would have put him back in free agency. Yeah, it's short enough if something changes. You know, if you wanted to stay, surely there's some sort of renegotiation that could be done. Yeah. But again, it could be the culture. He might <clears throat> just like the Phillies and what they've got going on. Yeah. There's things that we obviously don't know. Yeah. I also read that there was a mystery team that also offered him a $330 million contract, but that team was not named. Hmm. So. I like to think maybe it was the Cardinals, but, yeah. <laughs> but 
but they don't they don't yeah, offer yeah. that kind of money to no. anybody. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even they didn't even you know try to match the Angels uh, deal with Albert Pujols, and that was like he was next to Stan Musial. He was the man in St. Louis, and they didn't they just let him walk. But <laughs> anyway, so but they hung on to Rosenthal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the way down to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, but they wouldn't offer him. They wouldn't have offered him the money if he wanted it. So, another question to you: Are the Phillies the favorite in the NL now that they've signed Bryce Harper? Um. Well, that would require me to remember who all's in the NL East. Um, I remember you saying they've got a lot of. They've kind of stacked it, so I'm sure their chances are good, but. Um, I actually haven't thought about who's going to win anything at this point in early March, so I'll have to think about that. But um, I think you said the Braves are going to be pretty good. Too, the Braves so. are pretty good. And I don't remember who else is in the NL East, so. Well, that's, <laughs> that's about where my thoughts stop. Well, that's about you know that's about the only competition in the NL East. It's between the Phillies and the Braves, but to break down the NL. So that would be the competition in the East. In the Central, you know, you've got the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Brewers, basically, because the Brewers are still pretty stacked from last year. And then it's, you know, basically between the Cardinals and the Cubs for second, I think. So, and then you get to the West, and it's basically between the Dodgers and the Rockies. So... I think based on that, I think, you know, the Phillies might be the favorite in the NL. So there are several free agents that are still in the market. Um, but now that the big three have signed, being Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, and Bryce Harper, I think these free agents will start flying off the shelves. And those free agents being Dallas Keuchel, Greg Kimbrell, Gio Gonzalez, Denard Spann, Adam Jones, Carlos Gonzalez, and Evan Gaddis. So I think that those guys are quality players. They're still in their prime, I think. And I think they'll start flying off the shows. Our next story of the week is Jason Witten returns to the Cowboys for his 16th season. He returns for a one-year 300 – wait, not 300 – $3.5 <laughs> million contract. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, well, I'm not in general a huge fan of people coming out of retirement. I just think it's such a big decision to make um, that it's like, you know, you mourn the loss of your career. Now you have to find a new role. And then, just kidding, I'm back. I'm going to come back for a little bit. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of people coming out of retirement after making a big deal of retiring. But <laughs> if you're going to do it, I guess one year is the way to go. Yeah, I guess so. Um, he'll be 37 in May. And, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't that good in the booth. He was getting slammed on social media after every Monday night football appearance. I wasn't aware that he wasn't good. I didn't, I mean, but of course this is from my perspective. Like the article you showed me said people said they weren't meshing well. 
And, you know, the three of them didn't just didn't like jive. But yeah, I think what makes it awkward more than anything is the crane. What's his face <laughs> sitting in a crane makes it more awkward. And I feel like yeah. Jason Witten could make it. But um, I don't know. I just didn't I didn't notice that he wasn't, you know, not doing well. But I also don't scroll Twitter to see who who's saying what about how he's doing. So, yeah, I mean, he was just like, he stumbled over his words. He just, he, he was no Tony Romo. So that's for sure. I love Tony Romo. <laughs> I love listening to him. <laughs> yeah. He is so entertaining. So this is, I have a couple thoughts about this. My thought is either he really misses football and he's tired of getting bashed on social media. Or Jerry Jones has had it with Jason Garrett and possibly Dak Prescott. And this is an attempt to make the Cowboys great again. So he's going to try to bring Jason Jason Witten back on $3.5 million for one year and see if he can get you know, some fan support, bringing back an old friend. So did he play that big of a role? Like, was he, is he going to be a game changer for one season if they do bring him back? They didn't have, um, they didn't have much production out of the tight end spot last year. Okay. Um, really their only production came from Amari Cooper and that was after five games or after seven games rather. Um, so, um, I think um, Jason Witten is is like a safety net. He could be he could be kind of Amari Cooper is more of a downfield threat, and Jason Witten, aside from Ezekiel Elliott, would be you know a short yardage safety net, like five to ten yards. If Ezekiel Elliott you know is in blocking schemes or whatever. Jason Witten is just camped out five to ten yards just waiting for the ball if Dak Prescott is running for his life. It's just, I mean, I it's kind of a weird plan, too, because if you bring him back for the one year and it's like every year the Cowboys are, this is going to be our year, and then yeah. it's not again, then that's another short-term plan. So, yeah. like, what's their plan if that isn't the one trick they needed to finally get where they want to be? Maybe that's just Jerry Jones's <laughs> thing because he's like essentially Cowboys. putting it all on one season again without a long term plan. But again, coming yeah. from someone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. But he said that he would. He said if he had to do it again, he would take Dak Prescott number one overall, which I think is ridiculous. Hmm. Because I'm not a fan of Dak Prescott. I think he's. Overrated. I think his stats are padded by Amari Cooper and I actually have some stats. To well, prove it. that first year he did really well, yeah. but didn't they have like a stellar offensive line or something? Did yeah. something change with their offensive they line? Still have, they still have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So they, what changed that he is not performing as well as he did well, that first like knockout year? Defensive, defenses figure him out. That's what happens with every running quarterback is the defenses are able to watch film because when you first come into the league, the only film they have is from college. So okay. 
after in your second year, they've got an entire season with the with the Cowboys to watch on Dak Prescott. So I've got some stats to uh, to prove my dislike for Dak Prescott. So before the Cowboys got Amari Cooper, uh, Dak Prescott went three and four, three wins, four losses. He completed 62% of his passes, threw eight touchdowns, threw four interceptions, and he had a QBR of 87.4. And after the Cowboys got Amari Cooper, they went five and one, five wins, one loss. He threw 74% of his, he completed 74% of his passes. He threw nine touchdowns, only threw three interceptions. So Amari Cooper is the savior of Dak Prescott's season. And for the entire season, he threw 17 touchdowns and eight interceptions and had a completion percentage of 67%, which is actually actually looks pretty good. But that's padded by a post-Amari Cooper 74, 74% completion percentage. So I think just my, my assumption is that if Jason Witten just doesn't miss football completely, I think Jerry Jones is just giving Dak and maybe Jason Garrett one last chance by bringing in somebody that meshed really well with the offense. So so who do you think is going to replace him? On Monday Night Football? Yeah. So there have been a few names tossed around. Um, one is Peyton Manning. Um, Peyton Manning has turned down several television deals already, but he already has that detail show on ESPN plus where he breaks down game film, um, just from performances talks about, you know, how people did. It's on an actual like show on TV. It's on ESPN plus subscription based. Hmm. So that would be cool. Um, I don't, he doesn't strike me as someone who wants to be in the spotlight any more than he needs yeah, to be. I mean, except for like State Farm or whatever commercials right. he's doing. But I mean, that's, is it State Farm? No, Nationwide. Nationwide, that's it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's quite a time commitment. He doesn't seem like the type who'd want to do that. Of course, I also don't know him, but yeah, he doesn't seem like the type that would just want to sit in a booth and talk either. Like, seems more low key than that. But another name being thrown around, which I personally am a fan of, is Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Warner. So uh, Kurt Warner is already calling games for the NFL Network and does some does some radio games for Westwood One. Um, he's very likable, um, has a great personality, and he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I think that's a great fit. Um I have not ever watched him do any of that, so I don't have a good contribution to that. She opinion. also she also laughed when I mentioned the phrase "the greatest show on turf," <laughs> so, just like that. So so she does not appreciate Kurt Warner the way I appreciate <laughs> Kurt Warner. 
Because I didn't pay any attention to the NFL whenever he was in his heyday, except for the story they kept tossing around about him being a grocery bag guy. (laughs) That's all I remember about him. I've been educated a little bit since then, but I don't have the same emotional connection as a teenage boy to that. So little backstory. My family is from St. Louis. So I grew up with the Rams and when I was like 12 years old, they moved actually when I was like eight years old, they moved to St. Louis. And when I was like 12, they won the Super Bowl in 99 and 2000 in that season. So I was like, you know, I was in it (laughs) when the greatest show on turf, I was like being molded as a, as a young football fan with Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and all those guys. So anyway, that's neither here nor there with this conversation. So the the next big name being tossed around is good old Tim Tebow. So I'm not Timmy Tebow. Yeah, old Timmy. I'm not sure about this one because he's. I mean, he's already an ESPN employee with the SEC Network, but he's got a really good thing going with the SEC Network. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he. I don't know what people on the inside's opinion is. Would he would going to something like this be considered a step up? Is the SEC just like a little stepchild of? Because the SEC is pretty. I mean, well, if you're around the SEC, it seems like it's pretty big. So yeah, don't call the SEC a stepchild to their face. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, like in the big scheme of something like this, it's on like, you know what I'm saying? Primetime television, essentially. Um, how do you think he'd do like performance wise doing that? I mean, he already kind of does. He, already... Yeah, he does. He basically does the sec networks version of college game day, yeah. which is a big deal. Yeah. We went, yeah, we <laughs> went when they were in, in Fayetteville. So, but anyway, so those are the, those are the biggest names being tossed around for the replacement of Jason Witten. Um, so who knows? Um, I'm sure they'll announce a name, you know, before before uh, before the mini camps and all that start. So that's that's the second story of the week. Our last major story of this week is Antonio Brown and all his drama. So Antonio drama <laughs> drama for your mama. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, save my the gosh, drama for your mama. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> the king of cheese, everybody. I don't know if you know that about Billy. <laughs> you have been introduced. So, <laughs> so Antonio Brown was on LeBron James's HBO show, The Shop. Which I got to be honest, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, we have never been HBO watchers, so no. it's hard to be up on. Yeah. All things HBO. Yeah. So Antonio Brown was on his show, LeBron James's show, The Shop, talking about his strained relationship with the Steelers throughout the 2018 season. And Antonio Brown said it started when he missed the team's regular season finale against the Bengals after a reported blowout with Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. So um, one of the guys on the show asked Antonio Brown if there was a chance he'd go back to play for the Steelers, and Antonio Brown said there was too much smoke, quote, unquote. And that started a conversation about his relationship with the team. 
Uh, Brown said there that the drama started when he met with coach Mike Tomlin about feeling, quote, a little banged up going into the Steelers game against Cincinnati. He said, so I met with, uh, this is quote, he said, so I met with coach Tomlin and I'm telling him like, quote, hey man, I'm a little banged up, so I'm going to need a little time to get right. So he's like, if you're banged up, man, just, you know, you can just go home. Brown said Tomlin didn't offer any treatment or ask what was wrong, which rubbed the veteran wide out the wrong way. Brown said he felt like he and Roethlisberger were on different pages by the end of the season, largely because of the franchise QB's, quote, ego, which, timeout. This is Antonio Brown talking about Ben Roethlisberger's <laughs> ego. That threw me for a loop because this is the same Antonio Brown that just last week asked to be called Mr. Big Chest. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so this is also... What does that even mean? Who knows? Does he do a <laughs> lot of bitch presses? I don't know. What? I don't know. So anyway, um, so Brown continued to say, yeah, once that last game came, everybody's wanting to go home with the confusion, too much confusion. I'm like, this is where they're really at because now they're showing me the reality. You know, all you have to do is go call me out. We lose the game. He's like, AB should have ran that route, ran that route better. Or, I'm sorry, AB should have ran a, a better route, which half of that, I got to be honest, half of that I didn't understand. Brown then said, the type of guy he is, talking about Ben Roethlisberger, he feels like he's the owner. He said, bro, you threw the blank to the D lineman. What the blank? I'm over here wide open. You need to give me a better ball. But it's like in the league, you're going to have a guy from the team that'll be like that. Boy, you can't say, say nothing. I need to give – I need you to get out here like – but it's I'm, – I'm sorry I'm butchering <laughs> this. This is hard to read. I need you to get out there like, but it's like, why I got to be acting. At least ask a blank how he feels first, right or wrong, right? Then if it don't matter how I feel, then blank it then. Why am I here? You know what I'm saying? Man, that was tough. <laughs> so then during a Twitter Q&A in February – Antonio Brown reiterated his comment that Ben Roethlisberger has an, quote, owner's mentality and that teammates can't call the quarterback out. Otherwise, they, their meal ticket is gone. That's quote, unquote. So then general manager Kevin Colbert came to Roethlisberger's defense saying that, the, saying that Roethlisberger has, quote, 52 kids under him. And he later tried to explain his remarks and added that Roethlisberger was the unquestioned leader of the team. So Antonio Brown didn't like that 52 kids under him quote. And Antonio Brown said, how's a grown man going to call another grown man a kid? So I feel like I can kind of see both sides of it because um, like a lot of times in NFL, there's just like, Tons of talent, not a whole lot of discipline. So they come in and they all want to be divas. Mm -hmm. um, so someone's got to step up and lead and kind of guide, especially if they're Ben Roethlisberger and been in the league for a while. 
you kind of know the ins and outs, but I could also see like, you know, in the background, it could be a culture of someone in a leadership position can never be talked to in any way, um, you know, constructive, even if it's constructive, like, hey, you know, maybe these things need done differently um, in any sort of workplace that can be toxic if someone in leadership has the enough authority authority to like never be questioned on any level about their performance or their integrity. So there's kind of two sides. The only problem is it's coming from a diva. <laughs> yeah. And everybody knows that wide receivers are the biggest divas of all. So, I mean, there's, there's kind of two sides. Someone's got a lead and who knows how good of a leader he is at all yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but it is a little paralyzing if you're in a position where you're not as high up and you feel like you notice patterns and you can't say anything about them because no one's going to listen to your legitimate concerns. But again, are they legitimate or are they not? I don't know. Right. And sometimes like quarterbacks are thrown into this leadership role where they're expected to lead an entire team, but they're not ever really shown how to be leaders. That's my perspective. Like they're drafted at, you know, 20, 21 years old and at, you know, at jump street, they're expected to start leading these, all these men that are several years older than them. And I think that's, that could be a toxic environment. But Larry Fitzgerald, who is one of my favorite players, um, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver, been with Arizona Cardinals, you know, his entire career, played with my guy, Kurt Warner. (laughs) (laughs) My dude. But he had an awesome quote. Um, He said, quote, I love A.B., Mr. Big Chest is a good friend of mine, but I don't think he's going about it the right way personally. To be able to play with an all-time quarterback like he's been able to play with, I don't think he understands how good he has it. It can get tough out there. And he's got a really good point because since Kurt Warner, he had Carson Palmer for you know a few years, but who has Arizona had since and before Kurt Warner? Larry Fitzgerald is a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and he's had to deal with some pretty crappy quarterbacks. So yeah, I mean, could always be worse. Oh, it can definitely. And I now, just don't think it's a good idea anytime you're going out into the media instead of talking directly to the person. Oh, for sure. It just makes and it look worse. Even if it's not that bad, it makes it look worse. Oh, yeah. And that's how all of this happened. Antonio Brown went to social media, went to the media, instead of just going straight to the source. And then finally, when he went to ownership, after he requested a trade and all this stuff, he finally, after declining and all this stuff, he finally went to the owner, the Steelers' ownership, to set things straight and everything. And both sides decided it was time to move on. So Antonio Brown is going to be traded once and for all. And from the reports I've seen, the Raiders, the Redskins, and the Titans are all interested in him. But Antonio Brown, the diva that he is, said that teams will have to play by his rules if they want to sign him. And if they don't, then he doesn't have to play. 
And my thought is he's not going to play if he doesn't want to play by the team's rules. I mean, that's just not a good attitude to have. Right. So, so anyway, that those three stories conclude the top stories of the week. It is time for our weekly pick em. We've got a few games going on this week, a few big games. Um, so we start with, we've got a Thursday night, Thunder at Blazers. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder are third in the Western Conference, and the Blazers are fourth in the Western Conference. Um, the last few head-to-head games on uh, February 11th, Oklahoma City won 120-111, to 111, and that was at Oklahoma City. January 4th, Oklahoma City won 111-109, to 109, and that was at Portland. And on January 22nd, Oklahoma City won 123-114, to 114, and that was at Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma City has won all three of their last meetings, and this Thursday night game is at Portland. What do you got? I'm going to go with the Blazers. Oh, changing it up. Is it just the Blazers? It, it's just Blazers, right? It's Trail Blazers. Oh, that's what I was wondering. But they go by the Blazers. Um, yeah, I think they're due. And the one when it was at Portland was close enough. It was. It was a two-point game. Cool. That's just a guess, obviously, <laughs> based on not much more than that. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to take OKC. Do it. <laughs> All right. So uh, then we've got a Friday night, Nuggets at Warriors. Nuggets are second in the Western Conference, and the Warriors are first in the Western Conference. And their last two head-to-head games, they've only played twice this year. Um, January 15th, Golden State won 142-111, to 111, and that was at Denver. And it, way back in October, October 21st, Denver won 198, and that was at Denver. So they split the last two matchups. Warriors. I <laughs> <laughs> just don't. No see. hesitation. Don't I'm also going to take. Winning. Yeah, I mean Denver snuck one, snuck a two point at two point win out way back in October. So I'm also going to take the Warriors probably by a lot. So next we've got we've got a. College baseball matchup. Uh, we've got a Thursday through Sunday series. This is a four-game series. Hmm. We've got number sixteen Texas, who they are nine and three on the season as of today. This today's Sunday, by the way. We're, we're recording on Sunday, so as of today, Texas is ranked number sixteen, and they are nine and three on the season. And they are going to be at number nine Stanford. Who is nine and one on the season? Oh, I might change my pick. So it's a four-game series. So do you think it's going to be a split, or who do you think will win the series? Stanford three to one. Oh, dang. Okay, I think it's going to be a split. I think that's probably a better guess. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'll be a two to two split. (laughs) Because I mean, something I left off of here. you give me half information. Oh well, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> um, actually, I don't I don't know. All well, I can't. Things. I'm not gonna do the same pick as you. So it's well, either three to one. <laughs> Why can't we do the same pick? Texas or three to one Stanford. Well, 
I know, I know Texas beat LSU, and LSU is like top in the country. Like they took the series, or I, I know they won a game, <laughs> so I don't know if they well, won the series because because it was just they like, weren't that impressive last year when they no they weren't that impressive last year, but in the postseason, whatever game I don't remember watching, I just remember I wasn't impressed. So I'll just continue. Okay, with my I'm still taking a split. All right, so Saturday we've got. Number nine, Michigan, who is 25 and four on the year as of today, at number six, Michigan State, who is 23 and six on the year. This is basketball? College basketball, yes. I'm going to go Michigan State. Michigan State Sparty. I, man, this is tough because Michigan's number nine, but they have a better record than number six, Michigan State. But Michigan State probably has better wins. That's probably why they're number six. I'm going to take Michigan. I don't have any basis for it. Just a feeling. So our last game in our pick'em, our weekly pick'em, is Saturday, number three, Duke, 25-4 and four on the year, at number five, North Carolina, 24 and 5 on the year. So only one game separates their records. Number 5 or number 3 at number 5. How has Duke done since they lost what's his face? What were their last they couple split. games? They split. No, not not against North Carolina. Like no, I'm they just played you. two games. Yeah, Zion Williamson has missed the last two games. One one lost one. They've won one and lost against one. Against who? Well, they lost at Virginia Tech. And then they won against somebody. How good's Virginia Tech? They're ranked in like the teens. Well, I was going to go with Duke because of what was going on with Roy Williams, but I'm like tempted to switch back to North Carolina just because, like, when you initially said he collapsed, I thought like cardiac arrest, they're all going to be stressed out. But if it was just like a vertigo episode, they're probably all, you know, rebounding not too worried about it they'll probably be ready to play yeah whereas duke is obviously still struggling not having what's his face so i feel like every time i pick duke when they should win they don't so (laughs) yeah i mean i'm gonna switch mine to north carolina and probably regret it i mean the tricky thing about this is we don't know if zion's gonna play or not right and if he does play, we don't know how his knee's going to well, be. Well, and how long he's going to play. Right. So I'm also going to take North Carolina, mostly because it's at North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So so anyway. we're Good point. I think we split it. We agreed on some, and we didn't agree on some. So next week we'll recap and see how we did. So that's it for the picks. All right, it is time for the two-minute drill. This is the last segment in our podcast where we set a timer for two minutes and we cover as many smaller topics in this week's sports world as we can within the two minutes. So here we go. So Kyler Murray is rumored to go first overall to Arizona in this week's NFL draft, who... Arizona, by the way, uh, drafted Josh Rosen for or number ten overall last year 
What do you think about that? Don't know who Josh Rosen is. <laughs> so I don't have an opinion. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Josh Rosen did not perform very well this past season. So, but Kyler so Murray. So you think Kyler Murray will come in and Josh Rosen will be his backup or what? No, I think uh, Josh Rosen would get traded to possibly somewhere like Miami. So, but anyway. Um, so that's interesting. Topic number two. Todd Gurley has been diagnosed with arthritis in his knee. Um, it's the same knee that he had ACL surgery in 2014 while he was at Georgia. He's 24 years old, which this is kind of a scary thing. Um, what do you think about that? It's just weird to have arthritis that early in yeah. your knee. And, I mean, his options are eventually going to be pretty limited on what they're going to do. For it, so I don't know. I can't speak to it, but that's that's just super early to have arth- arthritic changes in your knee. Yeah, of course he uses it all the time. So. Yeah, but it explains his weird limited playing time throughout the the Super Bowl and the playoffs. But it's also scary going forward. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, next, uh, Clemson defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence injured his hamstring during the forty yard dash at the combine. Um, this is the same guy who was suspended for the Cotton Bowl in the national championship for a banned substance. Um, Mel Kuyper Jr. says he's still a potential top 10 pick despite the hamstring injury. Um, my question is, should linemen be running a 40-yard dash? No. No, <laughs> simple as that. I mean, they're huge. When are they going to? What does it matter? Yeah. They're Aren't not, there other explosive type exercises you could do to see what they're doing? Yeah, just like burst running. off the line. I mean, don't make them run the whole 40. Make them run like a 10-yard, 5-10-yard dash just to get like a burst off the line because yeah. that's what they're going to be doing. Yeah, it's kind of a moot point, and especially when it all comes down to hundredths of a second. Right. Tenths of a second. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all like, about their force. The, you know, what's the point? Yeah. So. But I think – I think you're just – it's a potential for injury, and there's no – like nobody's looking at linemen's 40-yard dash time because when are they going to be sprinting down a field other than when they recover a fumble? And then it's just a big man touchdown like they say. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, we went a little over on the two-minute warning. <laughs> First try, 45 <laughs> seconds yeah, over. But All that's right. okay. We didn't want to stop mid-topic. So let's end the show with our walk-off thoughts. Um, my thought is about uh, Ravens running back Alex Collins, uh, former Razorback, and we live in Razorback country. So um, this is is pretty disappointing for me. He was he was in an accident in Baltimore, and when the police arrived at the scene, he was asleep in his vehicle. And they could smell marijuana in the vehicle. And he said he was asleep. He, fe- he said he fell asleep waiting for the authorities to arrive. And they found um, a bunch of weed and they found a handgun in his Corvette. And then he, he voluntarily told him he had more drugs and firearms at his house. Which that's, that's good. At least he told him that. But would they have ever searched his house? Would they have... Maybe he just... I mean, I don't know if they would or not, but but either way... So why then did, he... did they go 
it's so yeah, they got a warrant and they well, went. That sucks. But they. I found, mean, I guess being honest is yeah. important, but like, I don't, that's weird. Yeah, but they got him on intent to distribute. Uh oh. So. So he had a lot. Yeah, they. I don't know how much he had, but it was a lot, like enough to distribute. But firearms. So it was a single car accident, and then he quote unquote fell asleep. Yeah, they said it was icy, and he hit a tree. Which, um, if he was, you know, high, then that would help with it. Did <laughs> so, he? Well, I mean, what? That just sounds really weird. Yeah, but I mean, my thing is, you're in the NFL and you're killing it. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing with selling the guns? weed? I, I don't understand the guns. I don't think I will. Yeah. Why? Unless you feel threatened, you feel the need to have a bunch of firearms. Right. Like, why? Why? It's just kind of unnecessary. What are but you yes, doing? You're throwing everything you've worked so hard for away. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's my walk-off thought. I'm severely disappointed in Alex Collins, who I was so proud of being a former Razorback. Yeah. Uh, my walk-off thought is just going back to Bryce Harper not wearing number 34 as kind of like a respect toward toward Roy Halladay. Um, just that's just a really, really neat thing to do because it's, you know, he wants him to wear number 34 last. So he's going to take number three instead, which um, doesn't seem like a big deal. But, you know, Harper's a really, really big name. So to change your number, which is a sports player and all that stuff you know you're real tied to your number but of course um just out of respect i just think it's really neat that he's not going to take that number because he wants him to wear it last so just thought that was a real positive thing it would yeah. not really be his place to take that number yeah yeah that was a very cool thing to do i'm not the biggest bryce harper fan but that was that was really respectable of him and it that was that made me like him a little bit more. Um, so that's it for today's show. Um, so thanks so much for listening. Um, be sure to subscribe to Sports and Spouses on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're Sports and Spouses, all one word, uh, spell out and Sports and Spouses on Twitter and Instagram. And please, 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 please tell your friends about us and spread the word as much as you can. And so we'll see you next week. Yep. See ya. Thanks. Bye.